Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And it's okay to give us a, uh, a belated Christmas treat of a five-star review. And head on over to abcboxing.com. Read that scoring criteria. That too would be a present. It would be, yeah. But I mean, don't need it so much for this show, this particular episode. But no, still be no, helpful. no. We're really not going to get deep into. We're not doing any rounds. First off, there's no fights. Uh, we're even recording this show a few days early, pre-holiday kind of rush, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and all that. Well, so if anything has changed in the world of judging or MMA, and let's say the previous seventy-two hours or so. Sorry, we don't have it. We are, yeah, we're not time travelers. As uh, as it stands, the biggest thing in the MMA world and judging world, it's it, it is both right now is Doug Crosby because it's the story that just won't die. And like, listen, I I will I will tell my wife sometimes like what's going on in in the MMA world, and she will dutifully listen without any interest, but. She, yeah, she's good. She's a good wife. She's, she's a nice helper. She's a nice listener. And she'll let me talk. And I was telling her, I'm like, listen, usually if there's like a really big judging thing, we have, you know, maybe half a week, maybe a little more than close to a week where we'll still be talking about it. We're week two. Well, keeps giving us content. So. It, it, I mean, for all we know, it's going to keep going. <laughs> it's, but it's, the latest, uh... of course, is that uh, Judge Crosby went on his buddy Chael Sonnen's podcast, mm-hmm. something that is uh, a, a show that has already produced several bizarre moments uh, involving Judge Crosby in the past. And here we are again. That was bizarre again, wasn't well, it? Like, I, you know what? I still haven't listened to that Beach Boys song because he said that's perfection. Um, so I am a little curious about that. I'll probably Wait, Which Beach Boys song was this I again? forget the I name. I, you know, I, I don't remember. But apparently it's a Beach it Boys song that that is absolute perfection. I know my wife likes the Beach Boys. Maybe she'll listen to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I can mix Doug Crosby with Beach Boys, she might be a little more interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then also we got the golf club that is illegal or apparently was illegal. Yes. He went into this so. golf club ad nauseum. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I'll tell you what really stunned me. And obviously we're talking about kind of the fluff that was thrown in there and kind of these, these distractionary non sequiturs and things like that, or maybe they're, maybe they make sense to him, but I did not expect uh, a proficient understanding of the GameStop economy to come up. (laughs) That just, that really stunned me. I mean, well, we learned that when we were kids. Well, sure. And you know, I know he's a parent and, and, and has children. So maybe he had experience through that, but nonetheless, I just was not expecting video games to come up not once, but twice in a 36 minute conversation with Doug Crosby. Real quick, Scott, the worst GameStop experience I ever had was I bought a game. Say, say I bought it at like 5 PM that day. All right. I put it in my uh, PlayStation three or two at the time, hated it, returned it at seven. And they're like, yeah, We'll give you 17 bucks for it. <laughs> and I'm like, I just bought it two hours ago. This is horrible. And I just I, thought they gave you a week. I, I, because it was already opened. Mm, that's so, right. Yeah, they, they opened like, the bag that they put it in. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, I'm out. I, I, had, 
I had what would probably be classified in hindsight as a bad uh, experience, but at the time it was like I opted in and I was really okay with it, was I sold all of my NES and mm. Super NES and N64 games and the consoles. Oh boy, what'd you get for And it? I got 117 bucks for it. Okay. In store credit. Oh, okay. So I got Almost like two games. Yeah, it was I, I, at the time. I think the games were still like fifty bucks, so it was okay. like a little more than. I probably got like two games and maybe toward another game. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was short term gain, and I was happy with it. But just knowing how much money I could have gotten if I just held on to those, <laughs> just things, hold them. Like, oh yep. man, I'm I feeling mean, that now with Pokemon cards. I mean, but, uh... shoot, there was a there was a yeah. Well, I I am making my money off the Pokemon cards at least. That's true. <laughs> um. But there was one game, and I'm I'm kind of looking this up on eBay right now. But it was a GI Joe game. So there were they made two GI Joe games for the NES, right? Mm. I know we're we're pretty much in Doug Crosby territory here, going completely off the wall. I know. Well, it fits, right? So, but yeah, it's our show. Whatever, I don't care. <laughs> um, you don't like it? Turn it off. Um, that's what Dana would say, right? Or just so fast forward. Is- yeah, exactly. That's also true. You can skip ahead. We're, we're gonna. This is gonna be our awards show, by the way. I don't think we even mentioned that. This is gonna be our yeah, award show. The 2022. I'm gonna judges. tell this. I'm gonna tell my story anyway. I'm gonna finish this thing. Okay. Yeah, get it. So I had a GI Joe game. It was called GI Joe: The Atlantis Factor. Now this game was not a particularly standout game. It was fine. I enjoyed it, but like all the other games, I was selling it. And so I brought it in, and the guy who was working the desk at GameStop paused at this particular game. He's like. I'll give you more money than the store will in cash just to buy it off you. And I was like, okay, I think he probably gave me like five bucks or something like that, as opposed to like a couple bucks. Mm -hmm. If you go on eBay right now for GI Jones, the or GI Joe, the Atlantis factor for S or for NES, I'm seeing listings for 4888, $64.99, $80 with stuff, $31. Um, if you had, if I, and I did not have it in like mint condition or anything, but I'll bet you I still have the box. Um, with the box, $420. Look at that. You know, I'm, let's just say I erred. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, the mistakes of youth. But nonetheless, I got what I wanted out of it at the time. And and with that, maybe we should kind of steer it back to it. If we're, you know, as far as Doug Crosby, I think we got to talk a little more about the judging kind of elements of this conversation he had with Chael, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of stood out for you? Uh, the, the, the one thing that really did make me go, huh, was the deliberation. You only have 10 seconds as a round ends to decide who wins the round. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you should kind of already know. Yeah, that yeah, that was that was the around. big one that was shared. Uh, Junkie kind of put that quote up yeah. in a little graphic, and they shared that, and and I had commented on that, and you rightfully pointed out that yeah, like you're supposed to know at that point. I kind of read over that element of it when I made my comment because I was just I just wanted to make sure that we actually put out there, right. like, oh my god, he actually did point out the fact that because no one, a lot of people don't just don't know this. Like I'll interact with people on Twitter that seem to think that. After the five rounds of a of a five round fight are completed, the judges will then write down their scores for each round. Right. Yeah. And I, I knew where I knew where you were where you sure, were no, intended no, no. to I, go. I know you do, but there was a um, little confusion. I had some confusing right. interactations with some people. Yeah. Like I clarified things. Especially like Coach Greg Jones uh, down in Florida uh, was he was like, "What do you mean insightful?" Uh, <laughs> but I, I explained myself, and I think he understood. Yeah, he just, I think so. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, it, it was like the one thing where I'm like, 
he actually didn't say something like, you know, just off the wall crazy. It actually at least made some sense. However, you are right. You don't have 10 seconds to decide who won. You have roughly five minutes and a couple seconds to decide who won. Yeah, you. I mean, the the hardest, the probably the longest ones is probably like maybe two seconds when a big impactful uh, offensive moment happens in the closing seconds. Sure, sure. So that might get have you pause for just a, a brief second, but other than that, you're you're assessing throughout the five minutes. So yeah. Um. Now who knows what goes on in the mind of Doug Crosby? Only he can tell us. But. You know, he, he obviously he his comments ranged from, you know, the people in the, the MMA pundits in their mansions, you know, sniping from from their mansions. And stuff. I'm like, yeah, that the MMA I, media makes a lot of that much money. Right. I mean, for God's sakes, like <laughs> it, it, if if this is directed at Ariel and I have to assume it is because he's it. If you're going to assume there is an MMA media member who is a millionaire, it would probably be Ariel. I'm sure Ariel has a very nice home. Not too far from where you and I live, sir. He lives very close by uh, in our neck of the woods in Jersey. He should have us over for dinner one night. He should. Um, He's probably not going to. Oh. (laughs) But it's not as if he's some sort of, Ariel is some sort of like erudite, you know, Johnny come lately to the sport. Like he worked his way up to get to this point. And, and, you know, he, he definitely says some things that don't always jive. I don't always agree. With everything Ariel says, I respectfully disagree with with many things Ariel says. Um, he and I get along professionally well, but I don't think he's necessarily at a turn saying all the things he's been saying the last week about Doug Crosby. I mean, he's talking about some strange mm-hmm. interactions that he's had with Doug over yeah. the years, and a lot of the stuff he's saying corroborates other things that I've heard anyway. Yeah, listen that that whole the whole thing with Chael, I found it fascinating. I was I was intrigued with the whole conversation. Like I I, I yeah, found some of the, I found some of the topics interesting. Like I didn't know he was this stunt coordinator guy. Oh, I didn't know. So, I knew all about that. Like, okay, I, yeah, I had no yeah. idea about that. But it's it's actually pretty well known about him. I, I guess okay. maybe you just missed it, but um, now he's been doing that a long. I think he's been doing it like thirty years or something like that. Loretta Hunt was just was interacting with me recently. Uh, the, the, used to write about the sport more frequently. Now she's kind of doing a bunch of different things. Um, but she talking about how i guess he used to he did stuff on oh god what movie was it it was like it was like a, a superhero movie or something like that like a good like a big one okay. and i can't remember which one off the top of my head but um yeah no he's been doing this a long 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 time and that's like his main job and you know he's obviously part of the working class unlike most of us it could also that could also lead itself to why you know you point this out often how kind of bored he looks cage side oh my god he looks so bored because his posture just looks so bored yeah what do you want to say like i'm saying maybe he's used to all these cool stunts he's you know part of that's just kind of boring to him to just sit there and kind of watch a fight i still think it's so fascinating that like because every time i'd ever watched or seen doug cage side every single time he's in that same you know slumped over head head on his fist resting on his fist looking kind of like I don't know if he thinks it's like he's like the thinker statue or if he's just leaning over and looks, but it look, he looks bored, whatever it is he's trying to do. He looks bored. But the very, the only time I've ever seen him not look like that is just the day after 5045 mm-hmm. Sabatello. It's almost like something clicked and he's like, Oh, I got to do this a little differently. Yeah. 
I got to present a better look or something. I don't know if someone said anything to him or if he was just like trying to put his face, game face on or something. I have no idea, but it's not, it doesn't seem like a coincidence that the, the, the one time we see him actually stray from this very characteristic, you know, I'm sitting in class listening to the teacher drone on about a book that I didn't read or care about. And now he's all of a sudden sitting up and looking perked up in attention like all the other judges do. Yeah. Feels, uh, feels purposeful. <laughs> Anything else stand out from you from that conversation for you? Kind of that I was expecting an explanation similar to the uh, the uh, the post on the UG a few years back, <laughs> uh, more so than just kind of getting almost almost a nothing burger as far as explaining scorecards. I wouldn't have expected him necessarily so, to explain the scorecard. I know, but I mean, from from his past, I kind of kind of did expect it a little bit. Well, maybe he had learned something from that previous yeah, time. Possible. That was that was. Well, 2010, 12 years ago, it was mm. 12 and a half years ago at this point. So a lot has changed. Oh, and then I, then then he did, he mentioned something about New Jersey's athletic commission in 2011. Yeah, and, and that's a kind of yeah. A reason he he teased for... some sort of reveal about this 2011 incident in New Jersey, and and I've heard things over time about it. I don't I don't really have a deep enough understanding of the incident myself to to go into it right now. I'm not really comfortable talking about what I've been informed yeah. of at this point. But apparently he'll but be talking to Chell next week as well. Supposedly. That's, that's what he's threatening to he's do. He's available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, next you say next week. It's this, it's this week now. Oh, it, yeah. It's Monday, okay. yeah. But, yeah, we'll see if that happens. We'll see if it doesn't. And we'll see if he actually has anything to say or what have you. But, you know, it, it's... It really is just sounds like someone with an axe to grind and who knows possibly that his time in the sport is truly up this time that maybe he's run out of uh, out of his lives and it might be game over because now I'm going to go with the game in uh, references. <laughs> but yeah. that, that wasn't I mean, the podcast wasn't the only thing this week with him, right? Uh, well, that was the main thing. And then yeah. uh, Steve Morocco over at um, MMA Fighting put out a feature or not feature. I guess it was more of like a like a dive into what has been going on with Doug Crosby visiting uh, Extreme Couture and speaking with fighters, and you know, it's kind of piggybacks off of the conversation that Eric Nixick, you know, the coach over at Extreme Couture, was having on. I want to say it was with uh, Fight Nation, Sirius XM, about a week and a half ago, week and a half, um, and how he like I guess Doug had wanted to come to the gym and. Eric didn't really want him there, but I think he was just kind of like whatever, threw his hands up and left and then let him <laughs> talk to the fighters. And they, you know, Steve, uh, I guess, contacted the fighters and it was like, it was a Chris Curtis and I think Joaquin Buckley too. Okay. But they fought each other. They just I'm, fought I'm, each other. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting my details mixed up. It is, we're recording at almost two in the morning and I just worked uh, eight or nine hours. So. <laughs> Forgive me here, but <laughs> nonetheless, I it, it sounds like all these fighters came away more confused than they yeah. had ever been. That's why because I, I kinda... of the way that Doug Crosby tends to deliver his messages, which is That's... completely uh, roundabout and not straightforward, and doesn't really answer anything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, if he lacks a little self awareness that he, you know, he might he is understanding it in his own head how he wants to explain it, but it's coming out kind of crazy. I can tell you. So I, I, look, he's the judging genius. How could we understand? <laughs> We're not judging geniuses. Yeah. We're just couch side judges. Yeah, from the couch. That's that's what we do. That is what we do. But uh, you know what? I think we've probably 
covered everything we need to for now about this topic. It's probably going to rear its ugly head again, but uh, we'll deal with that another day. For now, Mm -hmm. let's get to the fun. Let's get to the 2022 Judges. Good old Judges. It's awards time. I know everyone waits all year to find out who we're going to name as the top judge and, you know, things like the worst judging moment, pick our our fighters of the year, best referee. We'll get into all that. Have a little fun. So why don't we start at the top? Let's lead off with a big one. Let's lead off with top judge, sir. Top judge. Who was your top judge in mixed martial arts of 2022? All right. You know I favor or I look upon strongly as a, a big body of work. Fighters who fight. Judges who judge. <laughs> 517 rounds scored this year. In Se- in the it, big across, promotion. Across UFC, Bellator, and PFL. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't forget that the data that I put out and that you're referencing does not include all of the, the yes. rounds that all these judges are working, especially the ones in Europe. I am not... Uh, as uh, in depth at tracking all of this, you know, Cage Warriors, Aries, KSW, all this stuff that goes on That's what around the, the world. The so many active judges. But to your point, yes, the the top most rounds worked at the major North American level. Sal D'Amato, five hundred and seventeen rounds. He's my judge of the year. Only thirty two descents. And what's even more impressive, of those thirty two descents, thirteen couchside overrides. That is a that is a high percentage okay, too. That's, was, that's was, a big deal guess i might have caught you off guard i was expecting a bah, 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 bah. well uh, you know we're not awarding but, the couch side override I'm okay not, but it I, doesn't work that way i guess you know don't manipulate so, the system so sal sal's my my top judge of the year i want to also point out uh honorable mention to chris lee who takes a ton of flack had a great year so, sub five percent descent uh rating so only 12 I, descents I, across 242 rounds that, that that's a good year Look, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that part of it. You know, the, the descent percentage, you know, obviously we believe in this as at least a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this thing that I've been doing. But, you know, it goes beyond the numbers, right? And I think on the whole, we haven't had a we, – we, I think Chris Lee had a, a few uh, overrides as well, right? Chris Lee did. He had four overrides. That's, you know, that that's a healthy, that's a healthy number as well. The one thing I would point out uh, – and I'm not trying to bring Chris Lee into the muck, but there is one particular round this year that uh, he caught probably a lot of deserving flack for, and that was the fourth round of Josh Emmett against Calvin Cater. I don't even recall that round. Oh, that was that was one of the most controversial rounds of our year, sir. We go through a lot of rounds. I know we do. I, I know so. this one stood out. Someone, uh, a, a commission official spoke to me in particular about this round and they heard out that I had a you know a judging program and, and we, we do this and everything. They were asking just my opinion on the whole thing about this particular round. And that was in June the fight happened and this was in late July. So it was like a month later. It was still kind of sort of fresh, sort of not. Um but yeah that fourth round in particular giving that round to Josh Emmett instead of Calvin Cater. It did cost Cater the the win, although I still feel that you can give three rounds justifiably to Josh Emmett from that fight. So it's not like he was robbed of a, of a rightful victory. It's it's kind of the same deal as like Patty Pimblett and Josh Gordon, being okay. that the first round most people would tend to agree should be a Josh Gordon round. And if that was scored correctly... 
you know, in theory that, uh, well, we have a different result and it's kind of the same thing here, but you can still justifiably get two rounds for Patty Pimblin and you can still get three rounds for Josh Emmett. Nonetheless, to get back here to Chris Lee, it was that particular round that one I held against him a little bit, and because I, I was thinking about him too, but it, it was such it weighed so big in my mind. Yeah, I actually okay. stayed off. Gotcha. Yeah, I forgot. I mean, I did, I I couldn't even remember it. I just looked for my notes about about that round. I had yeah. it for Cater. Yeah. Round four. Um, but I don't, I don't have any extensive notes on it to to really recall it. So. You know what we should do next year is, and because I'm not particularly great with this, I'm working off of memory too with a lot of it. We need you and I to be more organized in like the degrees of rounds that we disagree with and make sure that we've got them on like good recall for the end of the year. Okay. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. But it doesn't so. change the fact. But that's, but that's like, that's as much judgy. on me as, as it is you. I'm, I'm taking the fall for that too. Sal gets the judgy. I'm oh, just, sure. I'm yeah. Just I mean, pointing we're just talking out, about honorable mention. He takes a ton of flack and he, by the numbers, he had a pretty decent year. Forget the numbers too. Like also, honestly, the, Mike the, Bell the has a huge amount go of crazy on Sal. They're, we don't think they're crazy at all. Like we really don't. They aren't. But I mean, it's like, oh, you sell the model out of it again. Yeah. Well, Every, uh, just because he works so much, that's why. Yeah, it's it's the volume. You hear his name enough, you're gonna you're gonna think of him more often. He literally works twice as often as almost every single judge in the world in terms of again the major MMA promotions in North mm-hmm. America. Um, I I would love to know. I would love to have like the numbers on the number of rounds worked and the number of fights worked. By all judges all over the world, or things like that. I, w- I would love to see how many judges are are approaching 500 rounds in a year anywhere. I would love to know that. Yeah, that would be interesting. I will never have that information because that's that's way too broken up and it'll take forever. But it, it's fascinating to think about, even. But you got to give your your judgey for the top judge. I guess I should, shouldn't I? Yeah. Ben Cartledge. Yeah. Ben so. Cartledge is my top judge of 2022. He he gets the judgey. Um. Not just I, this is probably as much a body of work as it is just the fact that I thought he had a, a terrific year, you know, both in, you know, the major organizations that we tend to focus on and and, and also cage warriors and, and everywhere else. I mean, the, the man, uh, he really is highly respected by his peers, by anyone who's ever, you know, privately conferred with him. And we, we know of many people who shouted him out, you know, over time. And and it's just I think he's a credit to the art of judging. Yeah, he yeah Ben is fantastic. He uh, recently just got licensed in Nevada, so I'm expecting a bigger body of thing, of man. North American work. Uh, I hope he this gets year. a lot more assignments so, there. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, you know, again, you know, we talk about the data. It's not all about the data, right? But I'll give you I'll give you the facts that the data we have of any judge who worked at least 100 rounds in UFC Bellator PFL combined this year, he had the best descent percentage, just mm-hmm. 3%, 3.1%. Which is a reason why we only have one override for him. We have one override yeah. out of four descents. Yes. So the one out of four times we were on his side anyway. And we probably, like, you know we, we probably didn't even do all of his descents. No, so. no, I'd imagine not. So could I don't think we did everything yeah. in PFL. He worked in right. PFL event or a couple, I think. I believe there was a couple in in uh, in the United Kingdom that he worked mm-hmm. along with the the other standout judges from the UK. I'm thinking of David Leatherby and uh, Daryl Ransom as well. Daryl mm-hmm. Ransom, by yeah. the way, of all judges with at least 50 rounds in the majors, he had 51. Just barely makes the cutoff. 
one dissent. So mm-hmm. just under 2% dissent percent. And that's a smaller sample size. I really do like to have at least 100 rounds when I'm talking about the data here. It doesn't feel as, as um, I guess, sound without at least 100 rounds. Because that's you need a bigger body of, of work to be able mm-hmm. to kind of figure things out. But nonetheless, it again, it's not just about the stats. I like the stats as a tool. But it's kind of like striking stats, right? Like we talk about how the striking stats aren't the be all end all. They just ha- kind of help explain what you're already seeing. Yeah. Here exactly. it's more about spotting trends is the way I like to look at that's, it. That's that's yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And, and but nonetheless, by the data and by the eye test, by talking with everybody else, I, I think Ben Cartledge is, is just top, top notch. Top notch. Yeah, absolutely. He gets my judgy. Congrats to Sal and Ben. That's right. I mean, that, we're probably talking about the gold standard in, in Europe and the gold standard in North America with our selections. Yeah. What, um... I didn't do an honorable mention because honestly, I could go probably too long in na- naming several people. I don't really I'll give wanna... you an honorable mention. Mike Bell, there's your there's an honorable mention for you because he puts in a lot of work, too. Tons and no, tons he of only parts. gave a 10-9 in that round uh, <laughs> in, in the draw. So he doesn't get it at all. No, I'm kidding. He's oh, never boy. given out these these eights. I wish he would just give out an eight once in a while. <laughs> All right, what are we moving on to? <laughs> Let's go to surprising scorecard, most surprising scorecard of the year. Now, this isn't necessarily like I I don't treat it as a a bad thing, but it's kind of one of those things that's like, oh wow. Yes. Is that how you look at this? Award? That is kind of how I looked at it. Yeah. Like kind of a surprising so, thing. And, and surprising doesn't have to be well, obviously the the award is most surprising scorecard. Um define it with what it's called that's good <laughs> but yeah so this isn't this isn't a negative connotation award it's more of just kind of like a catches you off guard right catches you off guard yeah so what was your choice for most surprising scorecard honestly this shouldn't have caught me off guard but it did uh based on where it, where it happened it happened in houston so i shouldn't have been that shocked uh by this but round three of roxanne modafferi first casey o'neill no judges cage side scoring it for O'Neill. I found I, I'm that. not gonna lie. I've like completely forgotten this round. It's it's really a stand up round. I just rewatched it. Uh, it's a stand up round where Casey O'Neill's hitting her uh, Modafferi a lot. Modafferi has you know that plotting, you know, bouncing all over type Clay Guida type stance. And this was her on. last fight. I know she yeah. kind of just wanted to go out swinging. She went. She was swinging. She wasn't really connecting, but she was swinging. <laughs> and the but. Casey was returning with everything, and she, you know, she hit her with some heavy shots. It's weird. She gets a take. Uh, Modafferi gets a takedown with a minute left, and then holds her against the cage, really for the final minute, landing a, you know, some storley knees. Um, but I thought it was pretty, pretty clear for Casey O'Neill to win this round. Uh, Robert Alexander, Yvonne Guzman, and Kerry Hatley saw it the other way, and uh, kind of surprised by that. So that's gets yeah. I, I just looked there. that up too because I was just like, oh man, who were the judges of them? Because I, like I said, I really do not remember this. That, Scott, see, okay, this was a round where we talked about that wasn't contested because me and you both had it the opposite way, and we were kind of you know shocked here. We're like, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's why I don't remember it. Yeah. So we didn't actually break it down deeply, did we? We did break it down. We did. Yeah, okay. yeah it's on well, the outline whatever. for that. Uh, me and you have it the opposite. That's why we brought it in. This this was back in February. Yes, it was a long time and ago. And this was right after I came back from Disney World. Mm-hmm. I was probably still in a uh in a yeah, Mickey Mouse induced fog. It was it fog. was another I think it was another one Eric Nixick was quite upset about. Um Well, this in so. this particular instance it was Judge Robert Alexander who gave Modafferi the, the win. Fight. Yeah. Yeah, the fight. Obviously he was he was the out judge here and did not it didn't affect the score or the uh, the result here Casey mm-hmm. O'Neill got the win deservedly so. 
Yeah. That, the, well, right, the right fighter. Do you won, have anything so. more you want to say about this round? It, you, no. It's okay if you do, but I do have something else I want to point out about while we're on this round. Oh, no, yeah, go. So, Robert Alexander, we never really got into it on this show when the news broke, I don't believe. But back in October, it came to light that Judge Robert Alexander of Texas uh, was arrested and charged with aggravated sexual assault with a child and sexual contact indecency with a child. Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> we talk about worst judging moments and things like that. That'll be our next category. I might be a little more Doug surprised. Crosby and, like, those are, like, you know, we're, we complain about them. This is a filthy and disgusting... That is horrible. Uh, ...accusations. They're, they are he's still accused at this point. We will let the courts decide, but... Um, Let's put it this way. If true, Robert Alexander is a filthy, disgusting human being, and he can rot wherever he goes. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That's, yeah. Uh, I'm actually, I, I did not, I don't know if I knew that or if I forgot about that. You must have, because I'm sure I shared it. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little surprised. Reporting from MMA Junkie. Might be a little more then. surprising to me in the moment right now than that scorecard. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> there you go. There's your most surprising. Right. All of it has to do with, with uh, Robert Alexander. Yeah. Um, very terrible. I, I prayers to the families affected and especially those, those poor kids. Um, yeah, it's horrible. It's not, it's yeah. As a parent, especially it just, it sends chills up my spine. Um, I have little children and yeah, gonna, gonna keep them away from Robert Alexander. Please do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no natural segue here. I think we can move away from this because again, this is, this is probably the worst moment involving a judge this year. I think it has to be by default, but let's go with the worst judging moment. So this is the worst. Well, moment you didn't give me your related. most surprising scorecard. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, no. maybe surprise. I'm not going to tell you moving on. <laughs> no, no, I, I will say this. And I don't think we have to go deep into this because we literally like just talked about it a week ago. And that is the dueling. 49-46 scorecards in Jared Cannonier versus Sean Strickland. And the fact that judges Sal D'Amato and Derek Cleary had polar opposite scorecards for every single round. And that was very surprising to me just in the fact that it happened. Not that it couldn't happen. I thought all of those rounds were close. So I was oh, prepared for kind of anything to happen. But nonetheless, you see that. It's not that it was 49-46s. It's the fact that every round they saw differently. That's what surprised me. But again, when you look at all of these rounds, you can get it. You can understand how it happens. I've, I've had a lot of people interacting with me on social media about this. Like, how could they happen? How could this happen? It's easy. It's a close fight. Probably separated by, a, you know, a technique or two, a strike or two landed here or there. How well did it land from one angle compared to another angle? You know, Judge Cleary is sitting in one seat. Judge D'Amato is sitting in another seat. Judge Camillo is sitting in another seat. Yeah, it's it, it, it. You can get a different view, and everyone's probably thinking, "Well, why don't they just watch the monitor?" It's like, well, guys, they're there. They're sitting there. They can probably see things differently. Maybe it's not as good as the monitor. It may not be, and when it is, you would think they might try to look down at the monitor. But having said that, too, if you look away for just a split second, you might miss something. Very, very possible. It's a tricky thing. But also, a lot of people just don't get it. This is a fight also where no scoring system would solve an issue. No, not at all. I, I've so, heard a lot of people talk about this. You're right. right. Score it as a whole. You have a case each way. Good case. Score at half points at a you know more liberal 10-8 system. You, you, it, 
more ten tens. Yeah, there's anything you do here is still a razor thin thin fight that can go either way. Yeah, each round. This is so. This is just this was like a judging nightmare round for any judge. I feel like so everyone was probably set up to fail for this one. Unfortunately, yeah, tough, and it wasn't even one. a it wasn't even like one of those fights like uh like we had earlier this year with you know Rose Nama Yunus and Carlos Barza. That was just a terrible fight. They gave them nothing to score. In this fight the guys were at least given things to score. It's yep. just, it was very close and mm-hmm. no one really landed that blow, you know, like yep. the blow we were waiting for to make mm-hmm. it easy. Mm-hmm. Just never happened. I thought the clearest round of all was Jared Kennedy around four still can see the argument the other way. I feel like if I was to score a fight as a whole, I would give it to Kennedy, but I'd also understand Strickland yeah. just like you were saying. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, the optics of, of it are very surprising, and that's why I went with that. So, mm-hmm. again, not a negative award. That's not what this is, but it I was surprised. I can't lie. All right, moving on. Yes, and now, yes, we'll get to that worst judging moment. Maybe I'll go first this time since I tend to forget that I've got to do an award, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more interested in your take anyway. Okay. But I will go with, for the worst judging moment, and it probably also isn't a surprise because we've had an eventful December, Doug Crosby's 50-45 scorecard for Danny Sabatello against Ralphion Stotts at Bellator, followed by the next night giving round one to Patty Pimblett. Uh, and then, of course, the fallout that we've already discussed ad nauseum and don't need to go too deep into. But that, I think, was the worst judging moment because it, it really created a lot of headaches for a billion people in this sport. Um, well, not even a billion. It's really just not a ton of these men and women who do judging. but. Mm-hmm. It created a lot of headaches for them, probably created a lot of headaches for the uh, the regulators at this point oh, who yeah. have to deal with oh, it. Yeah. Um, sure, this isn't how they wanted to spend their lead up to the holidays. Yeah, not not a good way to go out mm-hmm. on the year. But really, and, and you know, I think I've talked about this already, but like, it, it, I don't think that round one for Pimlet is as offensive as the 50-45 for Sabatella. It isn't. Round one is is a close round. It's just in that fight in particular... I feel it's the clearest of the three. I, I mostly I, think of it as like a, of, a competitive round that yeah. I think probably should have gone to Jared. That's what Gordon. I'm saying. That's yeah. how I look That's at what it. I'm, it's a close round, but in, in the grand scheme of the, the other two rounds, I feel it's different there. But then you look so, at Sabatello and, and not just, right. it's not just that it's three rounds. It's three rounds that you and I just could not see the other well, yeah, way. I, I was How often do we have one round that we just can't see that way? It really doesn't happen on our show too often unless they go to Texas. Um, <laughs> but but that was, for real, like we we have done a lot of studying, obviously, tooting our horns a little bit here. We've done a lot of studying. We've done a lot of reading. We've taken them past the course. We've talked to so many judges and officials and, and people try to understand and, and put ourselves in the shoes. Basically, the only thing we haven't done is shadow judged or actually judged at this point. I mean, we shadowed remotely that it's I don't count that experience that deeply. I would say the most beneficial thing that we had out of that shadow judging was being able to sit in on the postmortem in Kansas. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was a unique experience. The rest of it was kind of like what we do normally at home. Right. Yeah. It's it was kind of not what we normally do at home. The you know, the thing that you're you're strictly adhered to is, you know, make sure. You know, you get your your card in on the uh, right on the rather than it being like a self imposed thing. This was like an right. actual thing we had to do. Yeah, so we had and make sure you know you're you're. It was kind of stressful in the spot. Make sure you got the right corner. That was kind of the one some of the stuff that I. That's true. It was more like red blue than, yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah, sitting in on a postmortem, get the, the discussion was probably the most beneficial. But but nonetheless, I mean, we have a lot of experience, like I said, and tried to illustrate. Um, we really can see a lot of ways where you can go both ways with these rounds, but to have not just one or two, but three rounds where we just couldn't see it. I mean, I, this is 50-45 for Sabatello is the most defensive scorecard we've ever seen on this show. So it's, it has to be. I was when I was I was in the building that night. I was probably my seat was probably 30 feet from the cage. Mm-hmm. And I heard 50-45 Sabatello and I was just like round 2 I know. Um I I think that's the most clear round for Stotts. I'm like I would say round kinda... 5 because Sabatello literally just like yeah. is a is a waste belt. Yeah. He doesn't even like do anything. Yeah, you're just kind of holding that that back. Position. I mean, you're you're talking about but, a different yeah. experience because you're watching right. a cage yeah. side in, in a different way. So I understand. I'm I, I'm just saying for in high with the benefit of hindsight, watching it a day later too. Mm-hmm. That's what I was at. Yeah. So um, also uh, just a point. This is I have the same moment as you. So yeah, I think we've covered this one enough. I hope we yeah. never have to talk about it again. But we'll probably <laughs> reference it here and there. Um, let's move away from the judging awards a little bit and get get into some of the more fun things that we'd like to talk about too. Knockout of the year. Ko, what was your favorite? Leon Edwards winning the belt with the head kick of Kamara Usman after you know losing. We, we can call it. He was he was on his way to a decision loss. He was at this point. It was a, you know, a minute left, right? That's not disputable. We knew that. Yeah, min- we knew it in the moment. Really, <laughs> I mean, there's no open scoring, but we knew it. That everything from the coaching, you know, calling for that, seeing it, and then Leon executing it on the the you know the the degree that you know it mattered. Like he's winning the championship, beating a guy people are com- already comparing to GSP in such fashion. I thought that, that was the KO of the year. You had very uh, lofty expectations of what Kamaru Usman could accomplish in the sport as long as almost three years ago, if I remember. I, right. I called from him. I said he might be the GOAT when, when it's all said and done. I think back-to-back fights against Masvidal kind of put that on the back burner a bit, but you know that's, either near, that's neither here nor there. So I wouldn't rule out that he can still make waves in this sport and do more things. But oh, yeah, also, yeah, yeah. He, he's, got a rematch. he's not been shy about talking about that he may not necessarily be long for this sport. I don't think he wants to do it forever. Well, no, he doesn't. He, I mean, he he spoke that he once he gets the generational wealth, he's kind of kind of done. Sure. So, and he was in Black uh, Panther: Wakanda Forever, by the way. He's he's doing no. some acting now. He even had some speaking parts in that movie, sir. Did Doug do the stunts for that movie? <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's a great choice. Like, it's a fantastic. Now, I, I I honestly, if you hadn't picked that already, I think you would already pick that. And we were kind of going through mm-hmm. and we put our things on our little list. I probably would have said same. We had same on the last one. So I'm like, I'll pick something else. Okay. So I chose another one that people have been pointing out all year. Michael Chandler, front kick knockout of Tony Ferguson in round two. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, I, he's just not the kind of guy who I would have expected to give a front kick knockout. And he was already losing that fight. That was, yeah, that was wild. That was violent. It, it was very violent. Violent of a knockout, as, as I can remember. Yeah. The other thing that would have been funny is if I gave uh, the award to Leon Edwards as well, because last year I gave the knockout to Usman for knocking out. Yeah, that was that Jorge was a good Masvidal, one too. That was... Which means the next year I'd have to give it to whoever knocks out Leon Edwards. Might be Kamaru again. I guess so. Could be. But yeah. I'm just saying, like the chain must continue if I yeah, did that. So I'm gonna course. break. I'm gonna break the cycle. Okay. I, I, yeah. I like. That. But Tony, I mean, that Michael Chandler knockout, like you said, it's, it's super violent, super amazing. Um, it just it, it really stood out. It was very impressive. There are other amazing knockouts uh, as well. It's just one of those awards that, like, is an embarrassment of riches for. And this is the one I landed on. Yeah, 
that's a, that's a, it was a very very good knockout. So fine with that. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. You want to go to what Su- submission of the year? I think naturally. Sub of right? the year, yeah. Where are you leaning? Well, here, mostly right? because I might not get a chance to to say this again. <laughs> okay. Nate Diaz guillotines Tony Ferguson. And this is a very sentimental pick. The thing is, Tony Ferguson is not just going to tap out. Nate Diaz made him tap out. We saw Charles Oliveira had him in one of the tightest arm bars I've ever seen. And just was like, yeah, just break my arm. I don't care. I'm not tapping out. And Nate Diaz sure. with, a little, with a little guillotine, you would just go to sleep. Really, no, not much pain, really. And he taps out. I find that very impressive. Also, because I might never get to say that again. So. All right. And also, uh, I almost went Jim Miller over Donald Cerrone. Oh, my God. You, you really are just a um, sentimental guy. With so, uh, I, Sean Gore with the Dan Miller guillotine was on my list also. Okay, um, you know, that's, again, we're still talking yeah, about sentimental. Yeah. Comes back to uh, you. Oh, so, my God. You are funny. That's where I was looking anyway. But, yeah, that <laughs> Nate Diaz over Tony Ferguson takes the judgy for me. W- what about you? I will go with something that I don't have any personal connection to in any way, uh, and that is Stevie Ray, who tapped out Anthony Pettis with his version of a twister. Yes, this was this was cool. I cool thought it was up. super cool. I you know I love kind of unorthodox submissions, you know, and I, at this point the twister is is more established, of course. But even at that, this is still an unorthodox way to set it up and 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 execute it. So I thought that was fascinating. Right? Yeah, this I, was- I love seeing kind of thing happen innovative stuff really kind of gets me i, I don't remember and, if you remember when jamie would teach us neck cranks at in i'm class. sure i did um yeah. this was similar to near the one one that he sets up and he's like listen in the street do it in competition don't do it <laughs> yeah, do, actually yeah. Yeah, this is definitely ringing bells now yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that, street that, that's the one that remind that kind of reminded me of that move but yeah that i was i thought that was super awesome um i went with that and I feel pretty good about that one because and, and not only that, that was an upset, too. So, like, mm-hmm. you, you had a big kind of this was like his big break that kind of launched him into the playoffs. He ended up beating Anthony Pettis in the rematch by decision, got to the final, uh, didn't win. He got knocked out actually pretty spectacularly by Olivier Aubrey and mm-hmm. Mercier mm-hmm. in the final, did not become a millionaire. But this really I thought it was you know, when you kind of give in the story as well, he was out of the sport. He was basically retired for a little while. And then he comes back and he beats the former UFC champion, Anthony yep. Pettis, via this really amazing submission. I think it has it all for me. So mm-hmm. I went submission of the year. Judgy goes to Stevie Ray over in Scotland. All right. Best referee. Let's bring it back over to the officials here in the judges. And who is the best referee Judgy going to for you? For me, it goes to Brian Minor. Okay. This guy, almost every single Bellator event, he's pulling double duty. That's not easy. A lot it's, of them, yeah. He's definitely doing a lot of judging in MMA. I, I I am aware that on the on the you know regional circuits, this is much more common. But on on an event like Bellator, to be able to do both at a high level, I find that very impressive. So Brian Miner gets my you know referee of the year. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, you know, it's no secret. I'm not a big fan of the practice of of having the double duty done at the let's say at the major level because it's not as necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get it in any other uh, situation. It's fine. Having said that, you're right. Brian Miner is like the the one guy that I've, when he does it, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. He can yeah. definitely handle it. He's a good ref. He's a good mm-hmm. judge. I think he's 
one one of the best at both. And I think he's probably the only one who I would really say that about. I think Jacob Montalvo is a pretty solid other example of that as well that we've seen. And not not I'm not trying to diss others that are in this position, but these are the ones who stood out to me the most over time. Um, but yeah, for me, Brian Miner, that, that's a wonderful choice. I like that. Yeah. He was not my choice. Yeah, no real, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Um, his stoppage in uh, Lock Nane and Jenkins also played a role because I thought that was a, a very good stoppage. Okay, yeah. That I think a lot of people weren't on board with uh, initially mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the Twitter world. So Sure, sure. No, that that's a great call out. But go on. Yeah, so I, I went a different direction. Um, and again, that's not a diss to Judge or uh, Judge slash Ref Brian Miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with Jason Herzog and. You know, I forget if actually that was what I had last year. I'm pretty sure that I had Jason Herzog last year. I think we both did actually. Okay, I thought I had Mark Smith. Did you have Mark Smith? Yeah. Mark Smith. Um, again, it's I don't very remember. late. It's super late. But Jason Herzog is uh, for me. I just think he's the best out there. I think he needs to get more big time assignments. Um, and I don't imagine referees put a whole lot of ego into that kind of thing a lot of the time. But I still think I want the best referee on the biggest fights handling the biggest situations and and if i was picking he's who i would put and again okay. this isn't disrespect to other officials it's more respect to jason and i think probably a lot of officials would agree jason is fantastic oh yeah he's one of the best out there mm-hmm. fleet of foot by the way yes <laughs> the very fleet of foot jason <laughs> um we obviously we don't get into refereeing a whole lot on this show but yeah he he's he's terrific what about we move back over to you know something a little different here? Unsung hero. We've given this out before. I rescinded um, mine you... last year. Uh, just pointing that out. But yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. You did. Um, what about what about you? Like, because you you've left this blank on me. I don't know what you're doing because you've left it blank. But who, who's your unsung hero? I left it blank for a reason because it should be me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I you're an unsung yeah. hero. Why not? My unsung hero is Scott Fontana. Oh, no. For the 2022, the work you put in to have this gigantic, gigantic spreadsheet of every single round in the major uh, MMA promotions to have all, all this statistics, and it's a lot of work. I mean, I've, I've tried to just keep up with UFC events, and it's like, all right, I, I quit like at like April. <laughs> and I find it impressive, and it, it, it annoys me. When guys are getting, you know, they're putting out all this, this uh, half, half, uh, you know, put together data to, to, to paint a narrative in the direction they want. And it's just flawed data. We know you have the true raw, raw data and you, you, you compile it into many different filters uh, to, to get, you know, whatever trend you're searching for. And I think deserves some praise. So. Well, I thank you. I'm, I'm humbled by that, uh, my buddy. I appreciate all you. Right. Uh, I, I would have been good if you named yourself first off. No, <laughs> that would have been fine with me. <laughs> I might but one no, day. I, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so. You should. Why not? I think next year <laughs> reserve it for you. But no, I, I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for saying that. I, mm-hmm. I do appreciate uh, some recognition for uh, the work that I've put in. Um, I couldn't have done it without a lot of help from a lot of people who provided a lot of the information that I've been missing. Um, yeah, but th- th- I'm still working so on trying time. to get some of the older data. I'm, I'm still still going back 2018, 17, 16. I got to get some of the stuff from those years, but I'm getting closer but, to yeah, completion. But fi- filing, you know, 
these Oprah report, open uh, public record requests, and and actually working and searching for the data. It takes some time. So I, you know, I will give myself one pat on the back, and that is in the fact that when you see Bellator, their PR account on Twitter sharing the scorecards that aren't just decisions, that was me. Me being a whiny, right. <laughs> whinging, annoying pest until Bellator PR officials kind of just like, all right, fine, give it to them, whatever. <laughs> and the funny thing is I had I had an individual reach out from the Bellator team after I posted that that graphic recently that had, you know, because kind of what you were referencing earlier, I had posted a graphic about all the descent percentages of the year, judges mm-hmm. with at least 50 rounds scored, right? When, and that got circulated a lot. A lot of people kind of picked that up and shared it and everything. Um, but once someone from the Bellator PR team reached out, uh, they're like, oh, that's what you're doing. Now we get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to give it a, uh, very much a, a thank you to the Bellator team. If they are listening for um, dealing with my BS and giving me what I want. And hopefully yeah. now everyone can reap the benefits as I you know, continue to process this data. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. But your unsung hero. My my unsung hero is actually me, too. And I think I did a wonderful <laughs> job. No, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> no, I'm going to shout out someone else who talks about judging. And, and that is Sean Sheehan. Sean Sheehan. Without him... There, honestly, a lot of the change that I think we've had in the attitudes, look, I think we can take at least a little bit of credit, just a little bit for this show and the yeah. work we do. But Sean has a, a much bigger platform. Uh, he has much more. He has earned the cachet with a lot of people in putting in the work, putting out these videos, um, stumping for education. And he did it before we started doing this show. Mm-hmm. To be to be perfectly honest, I don't think either of us was aware of what Sean was doing. Cause as me, especially I basically did nothing with my Twitter for many years. So I really wasn't aware of a lot of people that weren't like, let's say with MMA fighting or MMA junkie or ESPN. Right. I just didn't know a lot of what everybody was working on for a while. So I had no idea what severe MMA was or anything like that. But yeah, once we came across Sean, we really understood, okay, this is someone who's put in the work before us um, and deserves respect. He continues to stump for education and helping people understand what we're seeing each week. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he goes on Anakin Florian, he goes on all these places and he's talking about it and helping people understand it at, a, at a, on bigger platforms. And I think Sean deserves all the props in the world that I think he is getting. He gets his flowers and I think he deserves it. So from us as well, from me as well, Sean Sheehan, my unsung hero. Absolutely. And I, I think I, I want to hear, I want to say in that one episode, Anik mentions, he, he mentioned you. I remember that. I did get a shout yeah. out this weekend um, from John Anik. But yes. I also say I also think he mentioned wanting to get Shihan, uh, Shihan his uh, own like ten minute spot in almost every episode. Uh, I mean forward. that would be interesting. so that would be that'd be big for him. Big for I'm the whole community. Big, really. I'm not big on listening to other podcasts generally, but when there's some big judging stuff, I do like to tune in. I try to do it after our show, you know, so that mm. it doesn't bleed in. I don't want to like yeah. borrow other people's sentiments if I can help it, but. Yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for, you know, especially Sean. So, yeah. again, he is my unsung hero. Mm-hmm. He gets the judging, and, and we, we certainly appreciate uh, everything he's done. And, and the fact that he appeared on our show before as well. He took the time to appear on the uh, the Couchside Judges yep. last year, right? Was it this year? Everything runs together. I think it was last year, but yeah. Yeah, we got to figure out a time to get him back again. I mean, he's I mean, a busy guy, though. Very busy. 
I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't know how he stays up so late all the time. Oh no, he's he's insane. Like I'm, I'm all the I'm people in Europe that right follow now. MMA are insane. They're they're not stable people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that to be mean, but oh my god, how could you do it? <laughs> well, let's 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 kind of circle back here to the uh, the fighters themselves and the fights themselves. I think we can close out with these last couple categories here. Top prospect. This one probably is not a big surprise for a lot of people. I mean, how can it be? I mean, mm. this is. I mean, I I I crowned him. He's he's my guy now. I'm all in on him. Bo Nickel. I'm with you too. I mean, off off of two contender series fights, uh, maybe, but he has he has such a a decorated wrestling career that I mean, I I think he's gonna be do big things. So I don't know what he's capable of, just because we've only got a few fights, and I really would like to see more from him against you know, let's say comparable talent. It seems obviously he's outclassed certain. Uh, individuals he's been paired against. Not all of them are like cans or anything like that. I mean, I think the, the, the was the last fighter he faced was actually came in with a little bit of momentum. It was like a decent ish. Yeah, he, he had crushed. like I think he was like six and one or seven and zero. Oh. He had, but I, I I don't think his I know uh, Spencer Kite posted about the Natan. I don't know. I don't want to butcher it, but I think it's called the Natan Levy record, like the combined record or something like that. Not really 100% sure, so I'm, I'm going to just drop it there. But it, basically, the idea is that their record against uh, all his competition combined is not good. So his 6-1 sure. really isn't the greatest, I, I guess. Sure, sure. But I think you have to name Bo Nickel here. I, I think it's like a default thing. You just have to pick him as the top prospect almost because he, how many prospects do we really know and talk about as like, can't miss kind of guys i don't know that i'm when i say top prospect is bo nickel i don't know that i'm saying he's a future champion but what i'm saying is he most definitely is recognized as the top prospect in the sport yeah for sure so i and I, I couldn't deny that so he he gets my my judgy and obviously yours as well mm-hmm. breakthrough star the way i always look at this award is it it's someone who kind of came from not being one of the top guys and all of a sudden is finally now one of the top guys. So who who is that for you? Arnold Allen. It's a solid choice. I, think I feel he's like he's a... been on the cusp, though. But he, yeah, he has been, and I finally feel he just plowed right through. Okay. Smashing Dan Hooker. Huge win. And, you know. A rare finish from him as well. Calvin Cater. I mean, lost on technically on a knee injury, but he was starting to turn it on. That uh, He was that looking fight. pretty good. So... You never know what's going to happen, though. Cater does get better as the fight goes on. So I think that's that that's my my top breakthrough star, and yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him fight for a title this year. I mean, it just depends on the nature of the uh, yeah, the flyweight exactly. featherweight beast right, right now. It's yeah, just, which is kind of how many titles will be there uh, in defense and and all that. You never know. There might be two interim titles. <laughs> Good God, <laughs> dude, Oprah but, style. You get a title. You get a title. <laughs> Who's your breakthrough star? Honestly, I think this is like the biggest no brainer of all. Alex pa- Pereira. Yeah. It's gotta be. I, you know. The beginning of the year, dude, he was, what, maybe top 40, 50 in the world? I, you know, I understand. He's the champion now. He is the champ now. Yeah, he's the champ now. I I, I was going to try to, try to, you know, go back at you. Yeah, you got nothing, bro. I don't have anything. There is nothing you can say. He's the champ. He's the champ. I think this is just perfect because he, it's not just that he came up and beat the champ, right? He, he went 3-0 this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Number one. And he did it while just destroying the guy who was going to be next in line to challenge for the belt. Granted, it was someone who it was kind of like the default right. next guy because yeah. the champion Israel Desenia had beaten everybody else. But he goes in there and he just destroys Sean Strickland and and makes him look just terrible. 
in there. Now, granted, he also makes him look kind of like he doesn't have a plan and just went in there trying to, <laughs> you know, stand up with the best kickboxer on the planet. I, you know what? One, or one of. My thing probably was going to be that, well, he fights in the middleweight division, which is kind of a kind of in shambles a little bit. That's not fair. But no, not no, fair. no. Oh, wait, hang good. on. Hang on. All right. All right. I'm, I'll let you have the floor. But you can only fight who's in front of you. That's true. So, and he shine there. And I think probably I had thinking of, well, I mean, I don't see him as a long-term champ. I think there's a lot of guys in the division that, that would, you know, pose problems to him. In theory. But he poses the exactly. same problems back, though. He hasn't. Uh, his own. He hasn't lost. So, good on him. And and not only that, like, I think you talk about breakthrough star, right? And our award is breakthrough star. And I think he is starting to get some of that, like, star rub in a way that maybe some of these other athletes are not necessarily gaining, you know, like, no, and I'm not trying to, like, belittle your pick, but, like, let's say Arnold Allen is not, he's still not a star, right? No, not in that sense, but. But I think, so, like, Alex Pereira, or Pereira, excuse me, um, he is kind of that both he broke through from nowhere to become the champion. And he also is starting to be, I don't think he's like a crossover star or anything like that, but you're starting to see a lot more from him okay. than you obviously would have. And I think you're starting to see a little bit more personality. You see there's this, you know, the videos are going up and he'll like, he's playing whack-a-mole or he's, you know, he's, he's kicking the pad with, uh, with Mac Malley and all these things. So you're starting to see more of him. And as much as the language barrier is tough because he does not speak English, mm. uh, it, I think we're still starting to see a little bit more of the personality a little bit. He's letting it hang out yeah, a little right. bit more because he's got the top. Fair. So that's where I went. Let's move on to best event. What was your best event? UFC London one. Now, that was the one it, in March. Yeah, it had so much going for it in that that I enjoyed about it. As far as nine out of 12 finishes. It was an afternoon event. It was over by like four o'clock. Uh, <laughs> I made my on-screen debut on the tweets at the UFC. Oh, that was post. when your tweet. <laughs> this this was just everything. I you know what? Nothing's gonna top that for me this year. Okay. No, I can't. I mean, I can't. And tell we had you wrong. some sick knockout. We got Molly McCann's spinning back elbow. That, that wasn't was even wild. her best knockout of the year, though. Right. It wasn't. But that was a sick knockout. It was, we had it was. Arnold Allen beating Dan Hooker, like we just mentioned. Tom Aspinall, you know, arm barring Alexander Volkov, like making it look really easy against him. Just all around. A Paul Craig's triangle. I mean, anytime there's a triangle, that like just kind of boosts Paul the Pre event. Like, saying Paul Craig's triangle is yeah. just like saying Paul Craig fought. <laughs> but anytime there's a triangle on a, on a card, it just boosts it. I don't know what it's about. I mean, it, if there was an Omoplata on this thing, it would have been the best card of the century. But I didn't realize you were such um, a big triangle guy. Well, it's kind of like a. a a sibling to the uh omoplata yeah i mean you're using legs sure yeah so and they're difficult so um that's what that's yes. my favorite card now give me yours it, for me it's usc 281 that I, I left that experience saying that was my best fight experience i'd ever been to i still feel that way now that the high is rubbed off okay. i i thought it was wonderful all the fights were just bangers i mean i even missed a couple of the crazy ones because i came late to that one unfortunately so i missed the absolutely bonkers uh round of uh mike Drizano and uh, sung Woo Choi with all the crazy knockdowns that were happening back and forth i missed that one live mm. but i got there in time to watch matt frivola blast opman azaitar aaron blanchfield just destroyed molly mccann on the ground <laughs> that was some 
Oh wild. my God. Ryan Spann put the lights out on Dominic Reyes, who, I mean, and you know, this is no disrespect to Dominic Reyes, but man, the guy came in and he was so excited about his defense. He's like, no one's going to touch me. And he got knocked down like what, two or three times in 80 seconds. I just don't think the chin's there anymore. Yeah, I don't it think so either. But I mean, he he seemed to think he wasn't even going to get hit. So I, I feel really bad for someone like that because now he's got to reckon with the fact that he didn't even think he'd get touched and he just got destroyed. Um, but that was wild. Hanato Moicano, of course, was was awesome. And yep. so was his aftermath. He uh, became speech. one of my guys after that. There you go. You became one of your guys as well. Chris Gutierrez emerging as Frankie Edgar closes out. It was a sad end. It was a bittersweet yeah. end, but it was, it was think, something to be there for. I think there's a couple of things that didn't get this card to my, why it wasn't mine. One, it happened late at night. Uh, I think you're bitter because you didn't go. Two, I am. Well, okay. Let me put another thing on. It was just $500 to get in the door. <laughs> so that's another knock. Uh, the Frankie thing, that would, I would have been sad, you know, seeing that. Sure. It, um, it, I mean, it was sad, but like, I'm not sitting there crying on press row. I got to write. <laughs> the co-main. <sighs> yes. Um, I know you weren't interested in Carlos Barza, um, but Zhang Wei Li. Yes. Um, by the way, with a, a essentially a crucifix rear naked choke. That was a super impressive that was cool, yeah. choke. Mm-hmm. That's a submission of the year, uh, yeah. possibly too. Up there, for sure. Mm-hmm. 11 Dustin finishes. Poirier, Michael Chandler had a great fight with a really awesome first round mm-hmm. too. Alex Pereira, or Pereira again, getting the win over Israel Adesanya. That, that was a classic uh, back and forth kind of fight. I've been noticed you've been saying his last name different. I'm trying to say it the way he says it. Okay, so it's not Adesanya. No, it is not. When when Israel says his name, it's Adesanya. Okay, well, I'm just going to call him Adesanya because it's easier. You can um, do what you want. Yeah. I'm just trying more. Okay. Fair. That's why you're done, Sung Hero. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, you're embarrassing me. Let's move on. But yeah, so that that was for me. That was that was the best though. That was that was easily the best experience. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so let's let's go to our five top five fights of the year. We probably don't have to dwell on these too much. Not I think too we much. gotta start wrapping up, right? Yep. But let's start at five and let's start with your number five. What was your number five fight of the year? Poye Chandler. Okay. I thought that was it. That round one was wild. It was a terrific fight. Um, That's my five. What's your five? I went with uh, Davis Figueredo and Brendan Moreno, number three. Yeah, that's a solid, solid pick there. I was so early in the year, and I think it got kind of swept under the rug a little bit, but that was a really fun fight. I mean, those guys, there's a reason why people are excited still to watch them fight a fourth time. Yeah, that, that doesn't happen often. No, and this fight did a lot to stoke the uh, the interest there, mm-hmm. I think. And yeah, that was a great fight. Number four, I'll, I'll go for number four. We can take turns. We can mm-hmm. pass the baton. Yeah. I'll go for with uh, Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Yeah, that was a good one too. I favored a lot of title fights here. Okay. A lot of them kind of got the uh, got the rub for me. That was, I mean, really the entire Charles Oliveira championship run was just a, a tour de force. It was a wild <laughs> experience. Crazy. Up until the point he lost it then. But that, that was yeah, not a very particularly good showing. It, it was only one round. Three minutes. Yeah. So. And I know, obviously, he technically was not the champion, but the champion has a name, and his name uh, is Charles Oliveira. Was he, he was the champion. did have a name. <laughs> yeah, was. he was the champion in this fight. I don't <laughs> care what the... the We don't care. We've been over this all the time. They're different weight the next day. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that was a wild sense. fight, too. I mean, again, any of these fights. But Justin Gaethje, he always brings it. Mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira brings it. And, and yeah, this is a really fun experience. What about you? What's number four? Uh, Sarukian versus Gamera. That was a fun one. Yeah. It was... A- High pace, technical, back and forth, good battle. 
overshadowed by a lot of the complaints with the way it was judged. I still don't think it was crazy. Yeah, judging complaints. I had a 50, 50, 45 Sarukian. That might be one of the worst things about this discounter. If it wasn't for Doug Crosby, <laughs> what I think my worst judging moment of the year would be every time we have a fun fight and everyone just has to ruin it by complaining about judging that is perfectly fine in a close fight. It's It's, it's, it's like no one wants to be happy. The closest fights are the ones that are called robberies, and I don't understand mm. it. Yeah. But, but yeah. anyway, yeah, I mean, it was fun fight, but again, mm-hmm. it had that kind of the, the specter over it. But what about number three for you? Schnell Sumaderji. Uh, this was intense. I was there for on the floor. I remember after saying this, I was floor bust. Um, and obviously I that was didn't there in the back, not watching it. <laughs> like I know. I, I feel, uh, yeah, I feel for you there because this, this was crazy. That's probably why I don't have it on my top five. It's probably, <laughs> you know, it's on my top five because I was there. The The crowd was electric during this. Like yeah, everyone was on the edge of their seat. Like this was just such an insane round uh, and an insane comeback uh, topped off with a triangle choke finish. Just it was number three for there, me. There you are. Triangles again. Yep. Is that your favorite shape too? My favorite shape. Uh, mm-hmm. no, cause I like, I like the shape of my body. So I, I tend to like circles. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad you didn't say octagon. Cause that would be way too <laughs> just bleed. Yeah. Except the Bellator circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't, you do not like those. <laughs> they're trying, they're trying to grow on me though. Look, you went to an event and had a I good enjoyed, time. I did. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed you it. You got to accept that. Like I'm, I'm, pull, I'm you coming should go around. More often I'm when they coming. when they go to um, that drive. Up, I know that, it's a long trip. But that drive go. is horrible. Um, but I know. if it's a good enough card, I'll, I'll go. Uh, what's your third fight? Uh, I went with Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze, the first main event of the year. Yeah, that was. I'm good. reaching into. I'm reaching into the the deep past of this year to kind of bring back some stuff we forgot. Yeah, you know, it, um, this was a great fight. It was a great fight. And obviously, it kind of ended up being a little more lopsided right. for for Cater by the end. But it was just it, you were on the edge of your seat. It really set the tone for the year, and it was a really fantastic uh, fight night main event. We don't always have those. I don't think this was the strongest year for them, although we named a couple that were pretty yeah, good. This, good start to the year, and I think everyone was really high on Chikadze coming yeah. in starting. The year. I was I was so, very high on him. I I had I had a very high opinion of him. I still think he can improve and and get better. I don't know what his ceiling is, but. Yeah, I, I was very much a believer in his skill set. And then Calvin Cater uh, showed him there's levels. Yep. Like, yeah, definitely levels. Really fun <laughs> fight. And I'm, I, I'm glad. that I, I hope we get the, the same type of introduction to this calendar year. But, I mean, that might be hard when we get to 2023 because, well, number one, it's hard to top a fight like that. But, you know, when you think of middleweights, it's not the, the type of division that tends to give you this. But Nasruddin Imovov. Kel- Gal- yeah, Kelvin Gastelum, if I could talk. I could see it being fun. I could get there. Mm-hmm. Gastelum, of course, had a classic with uh, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, that was a wild fight, too. That's that's a wild fight. Um, Did that one get a 10-7? Fifth, uh, we I, think four, fifth, I think fifth four, round is debatable to 10-7. Okay. I think we might have to figure that out. Yeah. We've, now, we've looked at that fight before, but we did it for past judgment. I right, think we need yeah. to look at it from like a regular right. standpoint, that, that particular fifth round. Um, yeah, so that's where, that was me, number three, uh, Cater and Chikadze. I guess I'll go with number two. Mm-hmm. And I had Gilbert Burns and Hamza Shemaev. As did I. So You got to, right? This, this I think, this was easily the three-round fight of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I w- this was another one I was in, in attendance for. And the crowd was just going crazy. That's right. You went to that. Yeah. In Orlando. Uh, Jacksonville. 
yeah, this was this was nuts, and it, it I guess it proved that Shemaev, you know, if his wrestling isn't there really, because you know Burns kind of shut it down a little bit, uh, he can stand, and yeah. and withstand a lot of damage too, because Burns was hitting him with some shots. Yeah, the th- I think that for me the most impressive thing was just the fact that he wasn't just a hammer; he's a nail too. Like he mm-hmm. can take it and he can come back, you mm-hmm. know, because you just don't know that everybody has that in them. Mm-hmm. You know, think think of it like a like a Brock Lesnar, right? Did not take damage very well. He managed to survive some of those, some of his fights doing it, but like that was not his strongest suit was taking damage. But Jemayev, I mean, you have to know when you've got him, he's not an easy out. Like you already know that now. The the question has been answered. The only thing I wonder with him is can he consistently make 170 or is his future at 185 or 205? It's weird. Let's let's go. Let him make a choice already. Well, whatever it is, just. Stop sucking your body out, you know. Uh, but yeah, that was a wild fight. That was so much fun. Burns and Shemaev stole the show. Great, great fight. And number one, why don't you uh, do the honors here, sir? What's yeah, the judgy I think, for best fight? I mean, this is going to be everyone's best fight everywhere. Better be. Yeah, Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira. All-timer. Amazing fight. This is an all-timer. Uh, Burns Shemaev is not an all-timer. This is an all-timer. This was This was something else. Just back and forth the whole way, and for the way to for it to end with Prohaska getting a sub over Glover to share it was just like when he would bananas. have lost on the cards. He yes, he he would have lost, and I got to watch it with you on your birthday. That's true. So that, that was a fun present. That uh that boosts things. It it was this is an all time fight. I mean this this all time fight. I, I put it in the Hall of Fame today. That was a like, good birthday present. It was even though the. I couldn't get my uh, ice cream with my dessert. Oh yeah, that I you remember that? You remember that BS? At, at some point, you give me would, the ice cream with my, just, my dessert, even though it was supposed to be part of it. You were just holding the menu and pointing at it. I was you so mad. You couldn't argue anymore, and you're just holding it and pointing like. And she's like, "Ah, uh, we changed it's the menu." It's on the menu. <laughs> that was her excuse. We changed the menu, but not this particular menu. If I'm looking at it, you're giving it to me. <laughs> Trash. Trash. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I had forgotten that until we started talking about yeah. it on my birthday. So that wraps it up for the, our top five fights. It does, but we do have one, well, I guess technically two more judges to hand out. Yes. Best male and female fighter. Who should we, you want to leave with the men or the women? Uh, either one. and y- Your pick. You know, let's, let's let uh, the women go first here, uh, and one woman in particular. Well, should we, should we do the runner-up first, actually? Let's do the runner-up. Runner-up, okay. Because we do, we do like to name a runner-up for this one in particular. Um, for me, I went with Jillian DeCourcy, okay. former guest of the show, by the way. Mm-hmm. Had I just thought a really impressive year rising up the ranks uh, in Invicta to become the Atomweight champion there. Because, look, she's it's no secret she is much uh, older than a lot of fighters with her level of uh, professional experience, especially. She's got mm-hmm. an extensive amateur background so when you factor that in she's got a lot of fights but even that she started the sport late i had the chance to interview her for uh the post before this fight that she fought for the title uh and this is coming off of one of the most thunderous knockouts you've ever seen by a 105 pound woman mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. um to get to this point Lindsay van zandt i believe it was right was it i believe so okay i'm now pulling it up because again we are it's, it's almost three o'clock in the morning now <laughs> so we've got to get our berries here <laughs> Uh, yeah, Lindsay Van Zandt, she knocked her out in 61 seconds in May. A few months later, she gets her 
long-awaited shot for the Invicta Adam Way title. She goes out there as the underdog against Jessica Delboni, who has looked who had to this point looked like a pretty impressive uh, 105 pound champion of Invicta. Of course, the Adam Way division is split in the world. There's there's the Invicta division, and then there's uh, over in I believe Ryzen, right? Is where yeah Ryzen. So it's kind of split about who's kind of the best. There there's kind of a debate where you can make. Nonetheless, Jessica Delboni was regarded as easily a top three in the world. And she goes out there, Jillian DeCorsi, and she taps her out. Rear naked choke, really impressive back take and, and yeah. gets the job done in the first round. So two first round finishes for Jillian DeCorsi. And she hadn't fought in almost, uh, it had been about a year and a half before she had her last fight. So she kind of, and, and it was a loss too to now current UFC uh, strawweight at least read. So to go out there and, and really get her name out there, I thought, I thought that was a really impressive year. Solid, mm-hmm. solid pick there. What's your runner-up, or who's your runner-up? Excuse me, Larissa Pacheco. I'm very close to picking her, but I I went the other way. Yeah, four fights this year, three first-round finishes, and then is able to overcome Kayla Harrison, who you know people have tremendous praise for. Beat her twice before a couple of years ago too. Yeah, so I oh, and she gets a million dollars while she's at that's it. a million dollar. Yeah, it's a million dollar. I was there for <laughs> it as dollars. well. I mean, I'm noticing a trend here. Um, but yeah, she, uh, solid, solid, solid year. Very impressive year. I, uh, great choice. But as far as our judgy for best women's fighter of the year, we are in agreement here, right? Yes, we are. Zhang Weili. Yes. I don't think there's another, I honestly, I do not think you should viably pick anyone but Zhang Weili this year. She came back from losing a title and then losing her chance to get the title back to knocking out. Probably still considered to be the 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 best straw weight that we've had yet. Highlight real finish. In Joanna Jacek. Yes. Highlight real finish to send her into she called it retirement. She's certainly talking about maybe ending it. But you know, it was a retirement for then. Hashtag <laughs> MMA retirements, right? <laughs> Shout out to Sean Sheehan again. Um, but yeah, she goes out there and, and gets the title shot, destroys Carlos Barnes, as we talked about, finishes spectacularly again yeah, another in another way. Really. She had a spectacular knockout and a spectacular submission. Yeah. Viably could be in the conversation for best women's knockout and submission for this year, too. And she's the champion again, and she looks unstoppable. She is easily the best fighter of the year. Do you have anything to add? No. It's fantastic. Well said. And then our last one, and this is in no way better than the last uh, award we just gave out. Equal, but different. Different anatomy, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go into the science lesson, <laughs> but our runner up for best fighter judgy, uh, who did you have first? I went with Islam Makachev mm-hmm. as my runner up fighter of the year. Um, the Bobby Green fight, that was a catch weight on, on short notice. I mean, say what you will, Bobby Green's still t- one of the toughest out there, and he, he made it look super easy against him. Uh, and then beating Charles Oliveira in the fashion he did, that's just like amazing. So that's where I'm at with uh, Islam. Definitely impressive to make Oliveira, who had looked like not a dominant champion, but he was just knocking left and right all the best guys. He really did unite mm-hmm. the lightweight division. Mm-hmm. And now it looks like it's uh, Islam Makachev's to rule unquestioned for quite a while. But we'll see. These things tend to uh, blow up in our faces, right? <laughs> You're running up. Alex Pereira. Yeah, that, that was... Amazing gear. I talked about it already. I don't know how much more I have to add, but like... My goodness, you just don't see a lot of 3-0 and in the UFC, especially among champions. Granted, two of his were non-title fights, but he got the job done, man. He had a, yeah. an amazing comeback against 
Israel Adesanya. He was going to lose that fight. He's done this two times against Adesanya. He has looked like he wasn't going to win and somehow pulls out the victory twice by knockout or TKO. Yeah, I, I was I was torn. I almost I almost had him as my uh, runner up, but went with Makachev. Yeah, I and and especially the fact that he beat Adesanya, who's definitely you know number two on everybody's list. I think pound for pound going into this, mm-hmm. that I thought was really impressive too. I mean, again, there's there's the matchup here, but he was still the betting underdog going into that fight, and he was losing on the cards. He was not going to win a decision unless he went out there. Well, he wasn't going to win a decision. The only thing he could do was go out there and finish him in the fifth round, and he does like good job. Yeah, but no one holds a candle to our male fighter of the year. Yeah, I was almost I was kind of torn on this one too. I was not, sir. I, I was more unequivocal. But I'll let you pull the uh, pull the curtain off. I Alexander Volkanovsky is our fighter of the year. I'm surprised you're torn. I want to hear you first. I, I really was, want to hear what you have to say. I was torn uh, about what the, should he be my runner up or not, and then I said no. He's he's got to be the the top guy there. Because I was like, the the fight against Korean Zombie, I didn't like the fight. I thought it was going to be a, a, a blowout as it was, as it, you know. But everyone was happy that Korean Zombie was getting his chance. I, I didn't think he had a shot. But the thing that pushed me over is Volkanovski went out there and did what he had to do. And he completely dominated him and finished him. He laid him. the wood to him. So that, that, that helped push it over. And then beating Max Holloway again, that was a, and very convincingly this time, so. You got to go with Alexander Volkanovsky. Oh, absolutely. I think the Holloway fight in particular really cements it here too. Just because, yeah, look, for all the reasons you said, Chan Sun Jung, it's not like he was at the top of his game anymore. I think we all knew that going in. His chances were more Hail Mary. It didn't really happen for him. But mm. Max Holloway, I think we all still thought, hey, maybe Max Holloway is going to get this done because he looked amazing in, in all his fights between his last loss to Volkanovsky, admittedly a super close fight. Mm-hmm. He looked incredible, and he goes in there, and man, he's never looked worse against Alexander Volkanovsky, and I think he, a lot of that credit has to be with Volkanovsky. He seems so, lost at times a little bit there. I would say or him can... beating Max Holloway the way he did might be the most impressive performance by any of the champions this year. When you factor yeah, in who possibly, fought. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Because it was it was complete, too. Yeah. It was not quite as dominant as it was against Chan Sung Jung, but it was complete. I agree. Yeah, let's just let's just hope when February comes along, these two guys are are healthy. Yeah. Oh my and God, because we're so, losing fights left and right in Perth too. So, so for God's sakes, do just keep keep everybody in a bubble. You know, maybe <laughs> just I want the fighters to train by playing like UFC four. <laughs> yeah. Just just pick up a controller, sit there. You know, maybe you know, put some extra padding on the 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 analog sticks so they don't maybe get. The blister or something. Yeah, please. Want no. them as healthy as possible. Is what I'm, <laughs> I'm really getting at. It. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I love that we were unanimous here on both the male and female fighter of the year. By the way, to be honest, though, um, I was searching to see who fought the most, uh, this year of the champions of just no, just anyone in the UFC or Bellator. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, I know you do most. like to find your active guys. Um. But no one had that information on on the first page of Google, and I wasn't going that deep. Into that. <laughs> you weren't so, you weren't about to do any research. No, uh, not not that deep anyway. I don't enough. think I don't think there was anybody that was pulling a Donald Cerrone fighting five times. No, no, no year, one got so. to. I don't think anyone got to five. Definitely not six. Obviously, there there were certainly I think some fours, but yeah, yeah. So there we go. But yeah, Landau Vol- Volkanovski, two two big wins. 
and that'll wrap it up for this special judges edition of the Couchside Judges. Congratulations to all the winners. Your prizes are in the mail. It's not our fault if you don't get them. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Congratulations to all the winners. Hope everyone had a great holiday. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody.